Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of QSR Uncut. I'm your host, Danny Klein, the editorial director here at QSR. All right, so this week, I'm going to just kind of start by saying, you know, hopefully hopefully a lot of listeners attended our event we had here, and uh, I guess it was only, only two months ago, even though it feels like forever ago in Atlanta. But one of the sessions we did, I got a lot of really good feedback, was from Nate Hibble, who is the uh, founder of uh, make sure I pronounce uh, Gusto or Gusto. Gusto. It should be Gusto. Yes. Yeah, see, that's the thing is you look at that one time, everybody says it incorrectly, but very interesting brand out of Atlanta. Um, Nate, I'm just going to kind of, before before we get into uh, things here, just let you tell us a little bit about yourself and the story um, you know, behind what was going on there with the brand, and, and we'll just kind of get into it from there. Let's get into it, bro. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, <clears throat> you did an awesome job at that uh, at, at the conference. Uh, you know, my my team loved being around it, and uh, would have never known that that you were kind of birthing something. It felt really well done, and look forward to that momentum building. You know, yeah. Year two is actually. I mean, I I guess I haven't told anyone this, but it is going to be September fourth and fifth in Atlanta again. So we we do have a date in the hotel, and we are coming back. So. And unfortunately, I'm already thinking about planning it, which I got about a three-week break. <laughs> yeah, well, I would yeah, say good. Atlanta is, I think, what you the the energy you felt was just, you know, we got we got innovative people here, and and even though the restaurant business, uh, you know, has different stereotypes that come with it, you know, the fast casual and the um, the leading edge of fast food in this town a lot of people that want to talk about it, you know? And so it didn't surprise me that there was so much energy, but, um, it was great to be part of. And for me, uh, I'll just jump into my story. I try to be as brief as possible. We just celebrate our ninth, the brand just celebrated its ninth birthday, ninth uh, birthday, nine years. We opened in 2014 and, um, really long story short, um, in 2009, 2010, somewhere in there, uh, I was coming out of what I thought life was, which um, uh, going through a divorce, recession, basically my life was upside down. I've been a college athlete, pro athlete, and, and that's pretty much all I knew for many years of my life. And, um, you know, when I usually say when, when you don't have a whole lot to lose, uh, you can you can be pretty dangerous. You can be pretty aggressive. You can go after ridiculous ideas like, you know, whispering to some of my friends in the kitchen that I wanted to, you know, revolutionize a, a, a healthy fast food um, and not say that with a red face and be bashful and be ashamed that I even have that audacious of a goal, you know. Um, but I was at the bottom of the barrel and could not shake the idea of why were, why weren't there more options in Atlanta in particular out West, they've been doing this for, for decades, but we're, you know, behind, um, on the, on the, uh, healthier side of, of fast food. And personally, I was a fan of Willie's, which was our local Atlanta Tex-Mex brand, but how many times can you eat, you know, tomatillo salsa before you're just, you know, tired of it, you know, and they do a great job, but I just was at a place personally where I couldn't shake the idea of there. There's a big hole in this marketplace for a, a, a new brand. 
the problem, Danny, is I, I didn't know anything about restaurants and I knew very little about food or let alone real estate marketing, HR, all the things. And so it took me four years to, to, to invent this brand on paper and, and, and get to this menu uh, and raise 600 grand for location number one. And um, that was, as I said, 2014, number one open across the street from Piedmont Hospital on Peachtree. And uh, this town didn't know what to do with it. I was like, what the hell is this? I don't, what is, what kind of food is this? Who is, oh, another football player open a restaurant, you know, that kind of deal. Um, but I invented it and, and got it out of the ground specifically to build a brand, not to be a restaurateur. And thank God. Nine years later, we've got 12 locations staring at 13, 14, 15, and 16. And, um, you know, lot, you know, thousands of stories and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears over the last nine years. But um, uh, now, now comes just a different level of fun and opportunity to, 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 to move more needles with a brand and not just a bowl of food. Yeah, kind of kind of glanced over there that you were obviously a former athlete we're not going to really talk about this but you do have a rose bowl uh, mvp in your trophy case so <laughs> you know yep. you had a pr- pretty uh you had a career there worth uh worth celebrating there for a yeah minute, I'm, but, I'm, uh... I'm i'm a proud oklahoma <laughs> sooner um and i appreciate you you calling that out it is a, certainly a part of my story um but a lot of athletes when they get done are like you know what, this has been fun. And I don't know that I wanted to dominate my whole life and every headline for the rest of my life. And that, that, that's been a part of my renewed purpose. Yeah. So I will say your, so your session in Atlanta did inspire me actually to uh, rework um, how I'm going to do these uh, one-on-one chats, you know, instead of having them be these 30 minute blocks that I split and uh, kind of turn over. Now they're just going to be 45 minute blocks. Um, so, you know, Part of that is because we had a lot more to talk about <laughs> you know, and, the, uh, and the second part is just because, you know, I remember, um, and this, this happened a couple of times, you know, the, you know, your team really kind of showed up in force and then you would have these sort of rushes of people into the room, like in the middle. But, um, you know, one thing, and correct me if I'm wrong with my memory serving here that you had mentioned that you, you know, your original investor is still helping you build locations, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. And so that to me really stood out because you just almost never hear that, especially obviously with what happened through, you know, kind of that COVID window. But, you know, talk about what that just kind of says about what you're trying to build, you know, that you obviously have people that believe in you on a certain level that's pretty unique, you know, to this industry, I would say. Yeah. I Based on, I've never done this before, but based on, lawyers and consultants and people who hear the story just say this is kind of unheard of for a small group of angels to be toting the rock uh, through, you know, 15 locations. So it, it apparently it is pretty rare. Um, at this stage in the game, Danny, it, it feels divine. Um, and I, that's a big word, but it, it, I mean, it just feels like I've crossed paths. I believe everything happens for a reason. And yeah, there was a money piece early on because we were watching Zoe's Kitchen 10 years ago, like ride the wave of sexy, fast, casual. And there was a big, several 
exit opportunities. Um, and so the, the money was a part of the early vision. Obviously, investors don't put money down to lose it. Um, but as this has continued to build momentum and be more of a powerful brand uh, and represent, you know, maybe even scratch the surface of a lifestyle brand um, down the road, uh, the money just isn't, it's just not really talked about. I mean, there, there are, as we get better as an organization, our finance team gets better, um, being great stewards of our funds and considering tight ROIs, like the, the, some of that stuff has made its way into our language. But um, all I can say is I've, I've had the, had the freedom to, to, to win, lose, or draw on locations, on ideas, on strategies, and apparently that's very rare and we're just incredibly grateful to, to, to have had that amount of grace and freedom. And, and of course the belief from those investors is, uh, pr- must be pretty deep and pretty incredible. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Let, let's talk about this brand building that you mentioned a couple of times and this kind of the future of maybe becoming a lifestyle brand, which I think is, it's really interesting. I was wearing, you know, one of your uh, pause bracelets on stage there <laughs> yeah, during my the final keynote. And when I came home, I, my wife was like, what is this? It's like a VCR button or something. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so obviously, you know, I think a, a lot of the people who come on this podcast, you know, we, we kind of really geared toward sort of the entrepreneurial journey. And I think like anybody, you started off doing everything and, and now, you know, life has changed to where you're in a role where, you're talking about that kind of thing. And so, you know, I guess tell us a little bit about what, what is it like to build culture? Cause I think a lot of restaurateurs, they're almost more comfortable, you know, doing 800 things at once and just kind of being busy and in the kitchen. But, you know, that's a part of their job. I think sometimes they really got to learn to delegate and learn to let go of some of the control of their baby and, you know, things like that. So, Talk about that evolution just for you personally. Sure. That's, that's a big question. A tough one. I mean, uh, a lot of people wouldn't maybe know this about me, but I fancy myself as, you know, being somewhat artistic. And so really I look at writing our culture. Um, it's, 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 it's kind of like putting a movie together. Um, there, there, there are writers and, and there are <clears throat> directors and there, there are producers and then, and then there are editors. And so I'm the writer of this brand. And uh, it started with the menu and the way that the words on our menu and the colors and the shapes uh, solidify what chipotle mango avocado means, what tahini cucumber feta means. Um, and so I've fallen in love with brand over the years, but having the chance to write or quote unquote architect culture is the second part of the art expression for me. And I would just say on my journey, while I have been spending years trying to pull Nate out of gusto, trying to untwist, um, God, I hate it when people say third part, you know, third person, but forgive me, um, you know, pull Nate Hibble out, out of gusto and un, untangle it 
because my 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 own identity's been wrapped up in there like a lot of entrepreneurs would understand. But as that unwinding has happened, the, the most critical piece for me has been while writing culture, while writing tenants, while writing um, how we're how how we behave, if you will, at Gusto. I've done it in an incredibly collaborative way. Uh, it's a lot of our pillars have come from different moments in time with different people. And so I socialize. We're, we're, we're about in 2024, we're about to roll out. We're about to unleash a whole new playbook on who we are. Um, now, then becomes the directing and the producing part, which is in perpetuity and, and, and the editing, which is in perpetuity and forever. I would say the first seven, eight years of our culture was just a little bit of magic and pixie dust based on surrounding myself with people with positive attitudes and, and believing in this ridiculous vision and idea. You know, I think the name meaning uh, passion and verve and moxie and enthusiasm, like you really can't. You can't, you can't have dull people and dull attitudes with a, a sunburst and a, a name like Gusto. So um, it's been pretty homemade the, f- the first uh, six, seven, eight years. But I've, I've spent the last 12 months, and it's painful, articulating how we behave and what makes you uh, a Gusto teammate. And also, what are you willing to go down that path and become one of us? And if you're not, that's also okay, you know, and, but it, I'll, I'll end by this in with this. Um, I had three things that I was trying to, uh, as, as kind of guideposts when trying to write, articulate culture for us. And that was, is it simple? Um, and is it memorable? And is it gusto? And uh, because every time in my writing, I'm considering Andy, the grill guy. I'm not considering, you know, Richmond, the corporate team member. And so it has to go from from soup to nuts. It has to, you know, and, and, and so we could talk for probably hours about this, but it's been the opportunity of a lifetime to be able to menu aside, brand aside, to be able to write um, a set of rules that are memorable, simple, and ours, and 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 hopefully they are the foundation of, of how we grow. Yeah, let me ask you a sideways question. I, I think I've asked you for uh, leadership advice before, but... Um... <laughs> What is so you're talking about, you know, hiring people, you know, who believe and, you know, can't really have dull people makes a lot of sense. So what's what would you say is your most effective or favorite interview question to ask somebody? Because I think the restaurant industry in particular, you know, you see resumes and it's kind of, you know, we're talking about a hospitality business. So sometimes it's really almost I wouldn't say it's irrelevant, but it isn't maybe the same, you know, Part of the experience is, is if you were hiring like a, you know, a coder at an IT company or something. But, you know, what's the thing that you ask people that, that you really, you know, you have to do every time? Uh, 
usually, uh, and this is going to sound a little cliche, but um, uh, what's your gusto is really our call to action. And I could come up with a, you know, two dozen cute questions. But when, when I say, you know, what's your gusto is our version of saying, what are you passionate about? What brings you joy? What do you get life from? Um, that's a great moment for me to try to understand that human being, um, not a resume, not the, the, the sales tactic that they're using on me. Um, you know, and so I really, for, for me personally, uh, big gut guy, love authenticity. Um, and ultimately Danny, I am always looking for the truth. I am looking for the truth. And I just don't think that, yeah, there are tactical things and there, there are disciplines and there's experience that show up on that resume. Um, but the truth is really who, who that person is and, and what their character may be. And so yeah. I, I try to, I try to get real. Yeah. I, I've been trying to get better at this. I, I tell this story. I mean, I, you know, I was hiring for an intern a few months ago. I don't remember, remember the timeline at this point, but you know, had all these people come in who were super qualified and, uh, you know, one of them ends up just kind of ghosting me on the interview. And so, you know, then I thought, okay, well, who is next on the list? Cause you know, I don't really want to get ghosted again. So there was one person in particular who was just really kind of persistent, um, in her outreach, you know? And so I just gave her a call and, and she started to tell me this story about how she takes care of horses for a living. And, you know, she said one thing like, you know, if I have to clean up, you know, horse crap at five in the morning i'll probably do whatever assignment you end up giving me and i was like and i got the phone i'm like that was one of the weirder things <laughs> somebody has said to me but at the same time like and her resume was pretty late you know obviously an intern she's kind of just getting started her school doesn't even have a journalism program but i ended up giving her a chance just because i thought that that was probably true you know as far as a human being and her caring about something. And she's ended up being probably the best intern I've ever really overseen. So um, I'm trying to take lessons from that and learning that a lot of times, you know, you, you really kind of have to see whether or not this is a person who cares, I guess is the best way to put that, you know, and if they care enough to just take care of some animal, <laughs> um, you know, there, she's probably right in saying that, you know, she's going to do the story I give her on a Thursday afternoon. So it's an yeah. interesting journey for sure. In I, I think, uh, I think you hit on a powerful word, you know, you can look at Chick-fil-A's annual report and you'll see the word care in there about, uh, 1100 times. Um, <laughs> right. and the word caring is a part of the language of gusto. It's about dignity and respect and, you just can't get past that in an interview. Um, you know, so I, of course, qualifications matter. And it's, it's really awesome to meet folks that can help you go further faster. Um, but to, we're growing a thoughtful brand. And so um, joining our team, I, I would also, my advice would be, um, as, I'm, I'm, as I'm thinking about it, like, it is awesome to find folks that <clears throat> have different strengths and weaknesses of yours. And I, I don't, that may sound 
like a textbook answer or something that somebody would say on a podcast, <laughs> but um, it's really true. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's easy to surround yourself with folks that are yes people and, and, you know, laugh at your jokes a little bit harder and, you know, but our, our commitment is intentionally fostering growth at Gusto. And, and that just means almost intentional uh, beating each other up, you know, in, in as healthy way as possible. So, um, yeah, I look for, I mean, it's, I would honestly look for, for, for those differences. Yeah. Tell us. So tell us a little bit about that pause thing I mentioned there. Um, you know, you, you told us all about it, you know, there in Atlanta and I, I think it resonated with a lot of folks. So, and also that was your leadership advice to me the first time we spoke. So yeah, tell, tell everybody a little bit about what, what that's uh, talking about. Well, um, it's really about self-awareness. Um, I thought that I was a decent leader over the years and, you know, have accomplished some things, but uh, it wasn't until I invested in coaching, um, you know, somebody outside the bottle, if you will, somebody with objective curriculum of their own and, and ideas that um, I subjected myself to a difficult test which it involved about a dozen outsiders giving their honest feedback on me as a leader. And, um, uh, it was, the results were, uh, overwhelmingly that I was reactive and loud and strong and, um, uh, unaware and, uh, self-absorbed and, you know, a lot of very difficult things to read about yourself, but, the way I'm wired, it was like, shit, I, I just didn't know. I, di I didn't know. Or I'm, I'm so used to just grabbing the bull by the horns and wrestling to the ground. And that's just not the kind of leader I really want to be. Uh, you know, I wanted to be patient and a good listener and compassionate and empathetic. But I haven't been trained that way, per se. I, I haven't I haven't had the leadership development. And so... For me, it was uh, it was first understanding where I was on this leadership journey, and my coach, after meeting three, had me write down on my hand uh, this these two um, L's on my on on my hand, and I, he said, "What are those?" And I said, "Well, they're lowercase L's." And he said, "No, it's a pause button," and he said, I, I need you to think about that. Uh, every meeting you enter, every moment you get to, to, to inspire, your words are powerful. And so for a big, maybe alpha macho, like to, to, to be able to force uh, pauses and moments into, you know, before you send a text message, before you send an email, before you dominate a meeting, um, it is it was challenging for me early on, but now, Danny, I walk into meetings trying to say less and it doesn't mean you can't be passionate. It just means being in control of your emotions and being smarter about um, how you lead. And th that <clears throat> wins over teams. And it, it, the more I do it, the more it reminds me of some of the leaders I've met over the years where I'm like, 
when I leave a lunch with them, I'm like, man, they're kind of quiet. They're like, they're like a Jedi, you know, like they, they just have this, this power, this force, this energy. They actually didn't say a whole lot. I talked the whole damn time. And so <laughs> yeah, I, that's where I want to get, but, but I'm, you know, a passionate guy and, and a know-it-all and, and, uh, you know, very controlling. So it starts with self-awareness and then, um, a very cool quote, and I'm going to butcher this. It's it's rooted in the Old Testament and Isaiah, but it's like if you know your path to growth, you know, first of all, are you it, you got to know it. So, Danny, I would ask if you've taken any assessments or if you've gotten the opinions of your your peers or your you know the folks around you, and then if you know it and you you believe it, are you willing to walk through that fire of self development? But the quote is yeah. something like, if you walk through that fire, you will not get burned. Only the things that are not not of you will burn away. And that is a badass sentiment, and I believe in it. And and so I'm I'm in the middle of the fire right now. Um, I'm willing to be in it, but it it's uh, it requires a growth mindset and you gotta be willing to take critical feedback. Yeah, someone once told me that you gotta be you know, the biggest dreamer in the room, but the quietest guy. And I'm like, it's hard because obviously you want everyone in that room to be as passionate as you are. And, you know, sometimes you try to, you know, lead with that, but it doesn't always happen. So, all right, Nate, well, I think I want to turn the, uh, the topic to growth a little bit. Um, you know, obviously like a lot of brands out there, a stall through the uh, craziness, you know, of course, as you're trying to figure out the company and, and then just, you know, survive what was happening there in 2020. Um, but talk about the growth that's ahead. I think you mentioned there at the beginning, there was maybe three or four kind of on deck and into the future. You know, what's that look like? You know, what are you, where's the company just kind of evolving on that front? Um, it's, it's a difficult question to answer over the years. You know, we, we've, we've been growing at a pretty fast clip over the years. Um, and I think a lot of people assume there'd be some moment where we would bundle up packages and start selling franchises. And because the amount of patience it takes to require, you know, to, to grow a brand slowly and thoughtfully, in different cities and in different regions. I mean, it takes a long time, man, like decades, you know, and nobody's getting rich quickly, you know, along that path. Um, so I, I can tell you, uh, tactically, you know, we are set to open, um, three or four in 2024. Uh, we're working hard on getting in, in the Atlanta airport, which is, uh, perfect for our model. Um, and, and frankly, we see ourselves potentially as an airport brand. Um, uh, yeah. doesn't take a rocket scientist to see spending millions of dollars on, um, bricks and, you know, brick and mortar is, is hard to justify from an ROI standpoint at this stage in the game. Um, so building smaller restaurants, uh, entertaining ghost cloud kitchen opportunities, um, potentially as a way to vet out a product uh, with um, less cash in other markets. That's interesting. Um, but big picture, Danny, for us, 
2024 and 2025 are really about uh, four wall earnings, four wall profitability for us. Like we've been going pretty fast for years. And so um, we spent the last 12 months working on getting the right people in the right seats from a leadership standpoint. And so we believe 2024, 2025 is the moment where we slow down um, and can really focus on growing sales and growing profitability. And, and uh, if we do that and do it well, 2026 and beyond, uh, we will have ample opportunities to grow. Um, probably need, you know, new capital partner at that stage in the game. Um, but while, while we are dreaming about what, you know, how to get from 15 to, to 50 locations, this isn't a PR headline kind of company, you know, really we're working on how to grow well. Um, and because I know it's kind of cliche, but I mean, success is, is, is not the destination. It's a journey. And for most of us, uh, I'm not going to say again that money doesn't matter and, and winning doesn't matter for sure. But most of us are trying to, trying to be a part of a company and a brand that is building something thoughtfully and slowly and, and doing it well. And if you do that, the journey is, I mean, it's a hell of a ride, man. I mean, uh, we, we, we all enjoy coming to work all day, every day, uh, because we're doing something meaningful. And, um, and so I would say growth will be characterized by measured, you know, measured, measured, measured leaps and, uh, and, in the second half of this decade, we may we may we may put the kind of the, the pedal to the metal, if you will. For so from the next two years, work on us twenty six through through two thousand thirty, um, accelerated growth. Yeah, um, apologize for coughing here. It's you oh, know good. life when you life when you have small children, man. Um, it's like you forgot what it was like to not be healthy all the time, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's a, an interesting thing. I was I was having a, a conversation that you mentioned there made me think about, um, you know, I was having a conversation with Chick-fil-A not that long ago and just asking them about their drive-through. And, uh, you know, we're, I was talking about this drive-through report we do. And, and one thing that the guy, you know, made sure to bring up was that he wanted to be clear that the in-store experience of Chick-fil-A, he still viewed as being the greatest expression of their brand. Um, and so he just basically wanted to remind me of what I was writing, that even with the crazy volumes that they're doing at the drive-thru, that people should understand that that is not exactly who they are. <laughs> and so when I think of cloud kitchens and, and a lot of these things that we talked about in recent years, I, I think that's been um, the thing that brands have started to be the most careful about, right? Um, you know, because even like a brand like Sweetgreen and some of these chains out there, when they talk about the digital growth, it's very hard for them to get across sometimes, you know, who they are, you know, why they charge what they do, you know, what makes them different, you know, than some other experiences and to do that virtually. So I think you have started to see, you know, trying to find a balance, you know, maybe it's smaller locations. I think airports are great places for this. But just ways to deliver kind of like the, you know, the, the experience in a way that you see it, right? Um, the acquisition of being in your dining room almost, uh, you know, the tool of, of that versus just like 
getting your food to people, um, which is obviously a shift in, in model. But I mean, do you think about that as you kind of go forward? It's like, okay, we're doing things differently. We're a different brand. You kind of have to experience it a little, little bit sometimes to really understand it. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a, a, a unique menu and a unique flow. And so we definitely, brother, if, if, if I could choose, I would want, I want them all to come to the store. I mean, you know, <laughs> right, anybody exactly, who's yeah. invested in millions and millions and millions of dollars, that, 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 that's the old school way. We want them to come to the store. We want to have those connections. We want to call them by their name. The reality is if over 50% of our customers are, are, want our product, but are never coming to the store, then that data is pretty strong, uh, you know, to, to, to inform you, maybe, maybe you should consider, uh, different investments. Um, we certainly think about it. Like, I think I told you last time we talked, we're going to invest in the guest experience. We're going to invest in human beings connecting with human beings um, eyes, names, and smiles are part of what we preach, getting everybody's name and spelling it correctly. That's, these are all important for, for, for our brand. Uh, the reality is, as, as the consumer patterns change, um, man, you have to at least take a second look at alternative ways to, to produce a product that the consumer still wants. Um, I think it's fascinating because DoorDashes and Uber Eats, uh, the, the big uh, fellows in, in, in their industries, you know, they're master marketers, they're master logistics companies. And so they come to us and say, you have a widget that people want. How fast can you make them? Because we can, let's be partners, you know? And so the, the whole damn paradigm, the, 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 the entire, uh, what you're making, how you make it, and how you get the consumer, it, it's it's fragmented and, and changing in real time. Um, I don't know that I can answer your question other than we would love to see human beings all day, every day. You know, we, we would, but it's like pie in the sky. I don't know if we're ever going back um, uh, to pre-pandemic ways of, of, of getting food, you know, to consumers' tables. Yeah. Um, we definitely invest in technology. We're, we definitely want to be innovative. Um, but I don't know if I answer your question. We have really, yeah, str- uh, you, yeah you did. Uh, we have really strong internal metrics that say we do better than industry averages in terms of our, our guest experience in terms of our hospitality. Um, but I would just say, I guess in summary, at a minimum, it, it kind of puts your strategy uh, it's like spinning a top It's like, all right, well, which direction do we want to go? And you can't do them all really well, but you can't have, you can't be focused in every channel. Yeah. I, I got a, uh, I got a third party order the other day from this local spot and the, it came with like a, they stuck a about us card in the bag, <clears throat> you know? So you like opened up the food and there was this little thing that had like a story of the, uh, the guy who founded it with his, his wife or whatever. And I was like, well, you know, obviously this was an expense and you got to make sure you trade it like all the paper materials and things like that. But it was important to this, this, uh, I mean, they were brand new, but they wanted to get across like, all right, I know you're going to order us through DoorDash, Grub, whatever. 
well, like here's a here's a little sample of who we are and i thought that was that was pretty cool uh, but it also just reminded me of like what what that challenge looks like now right so it's just it's just interesting to see it unfold but to your point i mean it's going to remain fragmented probably even more so going forward you know even if you have a kiosk in store it's just like who is who and where are they ordering and you know where's what's, what's the guest experience look like at all these points and um it's an exciting I, future for you, but it's going to keep you uh, keep you busy into the night, I guess. I, th- I think in a in an ideal world, you know, it's a little bit more old school, and it's it's slower, and it's more utopian in, in, in that version of it, where humans are humans, and we're connecting, and we get to know each other, and you know, uh, it just feels like, especially on the technology side and social media, like. If you're just a casual observer of where society's moving, unless we slip into a big recession or go to war or there's some massive, massive change, I mean, damn, I don't, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's slowing down and going backwards. Maybe that happens on micro communities, on micro farms, and there's, you know, that's some beautiful, but, but in the, in the, in the selling of, of meals, which is the business we're in. We, we have to, we, we could shout from the rooftop. We want to have meaningful connections and knowing Bob's name and his order is the most paramount for our company. Yeah, I, I wish, but the reality is, especially in big cities that uh, we have to stay uh, attuned to, to the innovation. It doesn't mean we have to chase every rabbit, but we have to, we have to be paying attention. Uh, yeah, I think we're I think we're pretty close to the time and age where you pull up to like a Starbucks drive-through and it says like, "Hey Nate, here's your last order." Right? I think that's a personalization that's coming. But whether or not it's a human connection element, it's just changing. Um, just the nature of of uh, how people. Because yeah, you know, as I always tell people, it's like you know you can't order a pillow right now without getting an email confirmation. Right? So it's just like your whole expectation level of um, you know, what you get and when you get it and how quick it happens has just changed and it's starting to, you know, kind of really go into food. Um, that's been maybe one of the last frontiers to fall, but it's it's coming along now. So it's an interesting world, man. Um, we'll see what happens. But before I let you go, though, Nate, I, want to, uh, I just want to open the floor here to kind of give you like a, I know we did this in Atlanta, we'll give you a second here to sort of, say a send off um you know, and then also maybe if people are just interested to learn more about the brand you know what might be a good way for them to kind of come check you out but but yeah what's what's just kind of your closing note here Whew. closing note you want me to be inspirational you want me to be yeah let's be let, let's be inspirational i <laughs> I think that, I feel like that's your uh, that's your thing. Well, you mentioned earlier you're creative, really quick. Like, what do you what, do? You write? Are you a painter? Like, what what are we talking about here? Maybe I love drawing. I, I love sketching. Um, if you're in a meeting with me, it's there's going to be a whiteboard with 15 different markers involved. Uh, I just like creative problem solving with on a whiteboard. And you know, interestingly enough, that was a part of my history drawing X's and O's as a quarterback. Um, so I'm not afraid of a whiteboard, but it's, it's different now. Um, inspirationally, I, I would say, um, you ever think about getting into coaching did that ever run through your brain? 
sheesh, man. I could have made a lot <laughs> of money if I'd have been on the coaching path. Um, uh, the, the, they're so highly compensated now in college and pro ball. Yeah, trust me, the, the thought crosses my mind occasionally. I'm like, they work long hours, but it is a, an extremely lucrative job, and it, it wasn't, you know, a couple decades ago. Yeah, um, you're right. Even but, high school now, except like in in Georgia and Texas, at least I know in Florida the pace sucks where I used to live. But, but anyway, yeah, yeah, I would say on the inspiration side, um, you know, Gusto is a brand that is kind of standing on the shoulders of uh, Chipotle, Panera Bread, some of these older brands who were innovative in their space at their time, and and sweet green kava you know we're we're a small ish local brand but i would just say if we can stay focused on the things that matter which is real food and real ingredients uh i believe that that millennials and gen zers are um they're going to be driving a lot of these conversations you know obviously in the next decade and uh I believe the food is just going to continue to be more colorful and more flavorful and more global. And I love that, you know, nothing against chicken fingers and honey mustard, but uh, I, a big part of my story coming from a small town in South Georgia is getting people out of their own way to, 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 you know, fall in love with garlic and ginger and, and toasted cumin and, and, and a lot of these ingredients. And I, I think, I think from a, culinarily the, the the fast casual space even with all of its variations is going to continue to dis- disrupt um you know fat you know traditional fast food and uh that's a beautiful thing because i want more people to eat you know better food um so that there, there there's there's some hope there yeah i think so i i, I, I mean i i think the category uh got shaken up a little bit there i mean it was it went from you know it was the i used to always write about this i don't remember the numbers but it was the fastest growing segment for a while there yes uh and then it slowed down like this even before the pandemic and that was mostly uh just the nature of the um the parody of things right just it got too big too quick and then it got you know just couldn't maintain that pace and then of course you know i think the urban sprawl um nature of the segment during the pandemic was bad but i think you're starting to see it now you know come up again and i think what you're seeing differently and i know this is true even in your growth path is that you these fast casuals can go to the suburbs now (laughs) you know that idea that that was not a good market that has totally changed um you know younger families that want to eat this way you know so that's really i feel like really unlocked kind of the future of fast casual but um yeah, all optimism, man. <laughs> we'll just try, yeah, keep things keep things positive. But I appreciate you joining us, um, as always. You know, we'll have to see you in Atlanta again this year. Um, figure something out for sure. Yeah, Danny, you're the man. Uh, I really enjoyed your conference, and it's clearly your beloved guy with all the all the love you're getting on on social. And uh, it's it's nowadays it's, it's it feels rare, at least from my seat, to find thoughtful. Uh, thought-provoking, you know, creatives on on the media side um, that are pursuing interesting topics, you know, and not the same old stuff. So thanks for having me on, man. Of 
course, and never never underestimate the uh, power of a dog photo. That's uh, that's where it all begins. <laughs> Dogs and babies work, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that 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 is that is accurate. All right, Nate. Well, we really appreciate it. Um, everybody out there who's listening, as always, thank you. And we'll see you next time.